Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday, May 5th, 2020. You're listening to episode number 441. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I'm assuming that's right. I wasn't here last week. (laughs) I'm your host, Steve Say. Joining me uh, for this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast, as always, Mr. Bob Ryer. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is Orson Welles' birthday, so go watch Macbeth. <laughs> and Joey Bracino is also here. Happy late May the Fourth be with you day, everybody. Ooh. Oh, and what are those? What's the other one? Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, May the Fifth, <laughs> uh, May the 5th Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, uh, and Cinco de Mayo as well. Mm-hmm. All kinds of holidays flying around during the pandemic. My, oh my, it has been a time. <laughs> it has been a time. It has been a day. I don't know about y'all, but I'm exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted and uh, just trying to hold on. Thankfully, I uh, have plenty of, of, of happiness being... Uh, thrust into my life and i just wanted if i could give a little shout out so we've created an animal crossing discord called animal crossing overlords (laughs) and it is me bronwyn lauren who you've heard about on the show melissa who used to co-host with us wow megs you've heard her name on the show greg you've heard his name on the show a whole bunch of people all getting together to share all their stories all their tips all their tricks all their items, all their DIYs. It has been absolutely amazing. I was telling the guys off air, I have put over 275 hours into that game because I just can't stop. And it's been sparking joy in my life every single day since it came out. And we're going to get Joey into the group and we're going to turn his two-star island into a five-star island in no time. Is it going to be like Spy Island with... Krakens and monsters. Nah, Bob. I have, I have, like, I have a boardwalk now with a uh, like a performance space. I have an, a full, full arcade in my basement. I have just stuff. I'm making a soup kitchen right now. That's my next project. Uh, it's just been, it's been nothing short of amazing. I absolutely love that game. One of my favorite games of all time. I. I I just I can't get enough of it. It's been so much fun. It's been so much fun playing it with Bronwyn and Megs and Greg and Melissa and everybody and Lauren. And we played with uh, Lauren's goddaughter last night, Diana. She popped on. Wow, I love and, Diana. Uh, she's my boss Angela's daughter. Yeah. What's that? She's my boss Angela's daughter, named after Diana, 
Princess of the Amazons. Ah. Mm. Better be so, careful. She's got some tricks, I bet. Yeah, Celeste uh, showed up. Celeste is a, uh, a villager who is, she's all about astrology, and she tells you when there's going to be shooting stars in the sky. And so she was at Bronwyn's Island last night. And so, like, five of us, Glenn, Lauren, Diana, myself, we all flew over to Bronwyn's Island, and we're all just chilling out, playing, Aww. like, net wars with each other and wishing on shooting stars for, like, two hours and just chatting. And it was just That's so lovely. good, so pure, and, and I absolutely love it. Uh, one more shout-out. Right. so hold well, on a second. Yeah. If, I, if I just theoretically, hypothetically speaking, just <laughs> literally made a Discord channel while you were speaking right now, yeah. what do I need to send you to join this magical island you've made? <laughs> I need to know your your username, and your username will come with a number attached to it. Okay. So if you look in your profile, you'll see, you know, your name, your username, number symbol, hashtag, whatever. And so, like, if it's like J Coolio Rex number and then some numbers, that's what I need to send you. That's what you need to send me. Oh my god, I'm gonna be on this magical island right now. (laughs) It's the best. It's the best. We share items, information, anything you need. Excuse me. It's a super fun, super safe space. And uh, it's just been, I'm repeating myself. I apologize. Uh, I've had a really, really crappy day, everybody. And, but Bob and Joey were so amazing that they took like a half hour out of their day to talk me off the ceiling. That's why we're I am here. so grateful for my friends. I'm so grateful for the show. Uh, all this stuff that's going on in the world. It has been so hard. And this show has been a, a lighthouse in the fog for me yeah. uh every week and uh you guys knocked it out of the park last week talking about all this you know uh comic book stuff will they won't they are they coming back are they going away and uh just i continue to to be impressed by our audience and the people that i'm surrounded by uh with this talking comic stuff and uh i don't say it enough but you know thank you for for everything it's, uh it's a, lastly it's tough out there man it's it thing. is tough it is tough uh, one more thing that I just want to mention super quick. I've been telling you all about the Lockdown Lopez DJ sets. This past Saturday, uh, Tara's original band called Sister Crayon reunited for a special stream. All free. You can actually go and you can watch it on YouTube, the entire performance. They did about five or six songs of their original stuff. And it was incredible. And we had people from Talking Comics join us. Greg was chilling out with us in the chat. We were donating money to, um, you know, good causes and whatnot that they have hooked up to these streams and everything. And it was so nice to see, you know, live music or pre-recorded, uh, pre-recorded live performance and all watching it together at the same time with a bunch of fans, feeling like you were back in the venue, watching people rip it up and just so thankful for for that stuff those those streams and those dj sets if you have not checked them out yet and you're at all into electronic music or just really emotional rock i i highly recommend that you go and check them out you will not be disappointed oh all right that's enough from me (laughs) for a little bit bob you have uh something that you wanted to share with everybody before we get some comics yeah in in this age where right now we're sort of all stuck at home and things are canceled and going away 
I participated in a virtual book launch. And that was curated by Holly from Q and Willow Books of Q Gardens, Queens. And they had literally 40 people in this chat, which was pretty amazing. And her launch was for Kristen Gudsnuck's new book, Minecraft, Wither Without You, graphic novel just about to come out. And it also featured artist Sarah Grayley, who did the volume one of the Minecraft, Minecraft series, as well as her own series, Glitch. They kind of interviewed each other, shared a love for the old Blazing Dragons game, talked about their process, how you work licensed properties, answered some listener questions, concluded one of mine, where I was told that you shouldn't need to, re to play Minecraft to enjoy Kristen's book. So that was pretty cool. They did a delightful 30-second sketch challenge which included requests for Sailor Moon, Naruto, Garfield, K.K. Slider, and Chris has looked kind of like her dog, Penny, um, Captain Marvel, and Godzilla, plus my spinoff, Dogzilla, after my first request for the Big G, had both ladies saying theirs kind of looked like it had some dog in them. A very fun event, and by participating, I got to order a copy of Kristen's book, which is going to come with a special book plate, and... Look, it certainly goes to a good cause. Independent bookstores are really struggling right now and trying to, to keep up. So once this came in, I knew even though I've already pre-ordered the book through my comic store and I'll get one eventually, someone will get a nice gift and I'm going to get a really special edition and did something nice for a store and creators who certainly been really, really great to, to us. Right on. So Bob, That's when awesome. you were when you were giving all those names out, you had said KK Slider. How did you arrive at KK Slider? <laughs> I did I didn't request KK Slider. Somebody did, and both Sarah and Kristen drew their version and Kristen's looked oh. just like her dog Penny. Now Penny got to appear later on screen during the chat. If you remember making friends too, the the blue dog, the blue yeah. bandit, that's Penny. Yeah. That's Penny, only she's white. Amazing. She's a completely white puppy and an absolute star. <laughs> well, I did, ask, I did ask for Godzilla, and both ladies did it, and they were both like, oh, you know, he's a little kind of dog. I went, well, Dogzilla! So to see Penny with radioactive breath destroying Tokyo was pretty cool. That is the best. Yeah. That is just the best. Speaking of uh, book launches, Lucy Nisley who is responsible for the books Relish and Kid Gloves and uh, Something New, I believe that's hers. I'll have to look that up. Uh, she's absolutely amazing. And she has a new book that came out on Tuesday called Stepping Stones. And you can pick it up from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, digitally. They're from Kindle and Nook. There's Target and IndieBound and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so yeah, in a, in a world where not too many uh, books are hitting the shelves, Lucy Nisley's Stepping Stones. You might want to check it out. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel about what it's about because I don't even know. I'm going to blind <laughs> buy it because I love Lucy Nisley and I would read anything that she puts out. So that's not a recommendation. I don't know what is. <laughs> blind buy, yes. That's the ultimate. Yes, I have to have this. Yeah, I have every every single thing that I've read from her. She is She's in the like Raina Talgemeyer, Jen Wang tier. For me personally, I, I just she's incredibly creative and her books are highly relatable and they're funny and they're informative. And she's just she's an incredible talent. And this book looks so good. I'm definitely going to buy it. 
digital or otherwise, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's 2020's motto. Whatever it whatever takes. Whatever it End takes. Endgame. Endgame. <laughs> ahead of its time. Totally. <laughs> so that was a rather uh, long-winded intro. Uh, thanks mostly to me prattling on. But we do have comic books to talk about on this <laughs> podcast. We have lightning rounds. We have some Marvel-related news for you when uh, we might be seeing some new books. What's going to be on the shelves? What is missing from uh, the list? And and things of that nature. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we don't have any listener questions or emails this week. We uh, had a lot going on and just wanted to take it easy. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We'll maybe we'll maybe get them next week. Uh, we might even have a guest next week so we'll put the word out about that ahead of time so that maybe you can ask somebody else questions um but as always thank you all for you know participating in the show and whatnot bob would you like to do a lightning round no yeah but i will (laughs) (laughs) all right i am gonna put five minutes on the clock for you and go okay leading off is a book i've been meaning to revisit but it took having a copy roll across my threshold as an extra in a shipment from uh, over at Escape Pod Comics. And because, as you already know, I get distracted easily. So it's Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 7 from 2016's Volume 2 by Ryan North, Erica Henderson, Rico Renzi, and Travis Lanham. And that was their Choose Your Own Adventure issue. Now, I'll let Ryan North himself introduce it. A... This special issue puts you in control of the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe. Will you fight crime and save the day? Or will you be a complete jerk and use her powers to tell everyone off? B, I'm serious. These are actual choices, and you have to make them right now. To be Squirrel Girl and fight crime? Turn to C. To be Squirrel Girl and be a jerk? Instead, turn to E. By the way, if you choose E, it gets you this. What? No, no, why would you even want to be a jerk? Come on, man. Maybe maybe this isn't the book for you, okay? If you'd gone to see, however, you'd have met the heinous bonehead, Dr. Yes, and the eldritch god Quagath. But your major, major struggle would have been with Swarm, a supervillain whose body is composed of bees, aptly enough. There... There are some there there are some roadblocks in your adventure, and no no murder hornets though, but some roadblocks, and even along what seem to be safe paths, so you, you gotta be careful. Next up, um, it's the trade Mad's original idiots, Will Elder, which collects all his work from the Mad comic book numbers one to twenty three before they became a magazine. As I'm sure I mentioned before, Mister Elder was the master of what he called chicken fat. Little bits of business scattered throughout the backgrounds of his panels. A wonderful trait we see carried forward in Chris and Gunsnuck's work, as a matter of just to mention. Uh, And Joe Dante's movies also. Mr. Elder was also able to channel the original artist in his parodies, so his starchy, Mickey Rodent, uh, Sherlock Sherlock Holmes stories, all have these little traits of the original artist and that certainly should not slight his, his woman wonder story as well. All these gems were written by the amazing Harvey Kurtzman, for whom the Harvey Awards are named. There are two other collections in the series, by the way, one for Wally Wood and one for Jack Davis. 
Both are excellent. They're kind of out of print unless you buy them as a box set for $1,000, but they're around. You just got to search a little bit. Now, because I saw some interweb rumor leaking regarding uh, Catherine Hahn's appearance as Agatha Harkness in the upcoming Disney Plus WandaVision series, I thought I'd jump into the Wayback Machine and check out her first appearance as well as an important story arc from the very old days. Ms. Harkness debuted in FF94 by Stanley, Jack Kirby, Joe Sinnott, and Sam Rosen from back in January 1970. On the occasion of the naming of little Franklin Benjamin Richards, born in FF Annual 6 and 68, soon we denounced that they've secured the services of a child-rearing specialist upstate in order to keep him safe from the dangers of their adventures and, and their lifestyle. What they didn't know is that the evil genius known as the wizard has been monitoring him and for every move, and he and the rest of his reformed frightful force, Sandman, Trapster, and Medusa? Wait a minute. They will attack the FF at that supposedly safe space. Up at Whisper Hill lies the home of Agatha Harkness, which Ben describes as Dracula's dream house. This is a very entertaining getting to know you as the evil quartet strikes, but with not quite the results they expect. And it's a fine and frightening introduction to a character with a lot more story to tell, such as in 1977's FF 184-186 by, at, at that point, new writer Len Wein, penciler George Perez. And to preface that, back in 181, Agatha returned after many years only to magically abduct Franklin right in front of Sue and Alicia in 182. Sue arrives at Whisper Hill just as Agatha and Franklin are themselves spirited away by shadowy figures. 184, well, begin the search that would lead the FF to the Colorado town of New Salem and their mysterious mayor, Nicholas Scratch, who intends to execute Ms. Harkness for the crime of betrayal as they accuse her, their one-time leader, of revealing their existence to the outside world. This FF stuff gets very complicated, doesn't it? But if you get a chance, those have been collected. There are FF visionaries. I mentioned the John Byrne one for George Perez. The FF stories are all in the masterwork volumes. That's it for me, except for some little TV stuff once my timer goes off. You were actually three seconds over. What? Stop the show. Stop the show now. I think you got to do it over again, just a little bit faster. Just a little bit faster. Okay. I, I thought I might be a sentence over, but I thought I was fast enough. But maybe it's the sidecars talking that I'm imbibing this evening. Man, you know, I think I could maybe use some unbeatable Squirrel Girl in my life right about now. I might need to bust out those hardcovers downstairs, even if it's just an issue or two, just to get a taste it is of so positivity. Great. Yes, she's so positive. And that issue... As you go through all these various scenarios, arrows going everywhere, where in one scenario, she's studying to beat the villain and studies too hard and ends up dead as a skeleton in the library. Oops! Go go to Arrow B. Go over here. It's a brilliant issue. Definitely, if you haven't ever read it, go back and reread. It's even better the second time. Though I have to tell you, it'll take you about 45 minutes. What was the issue? What was the silent issue for Squirrel Girl? That was like issue number 40-something or late 30s? Well, I think it was late 30s. It's th- No, it's it's 34, 36, something like that in the second It was run. a uh, Talking Comics nominee, if I recall. Might even mm-hmm. have won. Might have even won. 
I'd have to I'm go gonna, back I'll go look. back and I'll look at the list. Yeah. I got to look that up. I want to read that again. Yeah, with, with the the librarian, yes. the ghostly librarian. Yes. Um, just to throw in my my little TV thing, Sunday I don't watch any TV series at this point, but the CW has this wonderful double feature of Batwoman and Supergirl. Batwoman came back last week, but this week, totally great action episode. Tons of great fighting, but that also features some amazing twists and turns and double crosses. And they're beginning the introduction of Hush, mm. who is going to make his first full appearance next week in a very comics-accurate outfit. I love Hush. The whole storyline, uh, it's one of my favorite things from Batman, and it's one of the things that I remember grabbing from the, wait for it, the public library. Yeah. Um, collected versions and being like, I want to read Batman, and pulling off the Hush collections, and just really loving the story. It's weird. It's like um, like really engulfed in the history of it, but the payoff is great, and uh, it's really exciting that Batwoman is picking it up. Yeah, in this in the show they're using a character named Thomas Elliot. Is that accurate? Accurate, or are we matching uh, two other people together? Oh my god! Oh, is it okay? Okay, he's a very big fan of Bruce Wayne, and he's now managed to get himself hooked up with Alice and her her partner, the Mouse, over in Arkham Asylum, which Mouse and Alice are now running. So where this is all headed, it's going to be amazing. But he's he's going to get all bandaged up and it's looking really good. Mm -hmm. Over at, at Supergirl, it was their first new episode in a while. And it completely Lex-centric because it laid out all his schemes in the post-crisis world they're all in now. Very devious Lex stuff going on. And this episode was direct, directed by Melissa Benoist the first time. No, oh, she's the best. Yeah, it's those are it's it's a great way to spend a couple hours on a Sunday night. In the past, on Sunday nights, it was friends and I would go and have a couple of pints, and you know celebrate the end of a work week and lament the day to come on a Monday. Hmm. So sitting in front of some CW superheroines, both shows are really really done well. I'm a lot of fun. You should, guys should if you haven't caught up, you might want to. They're all streaming free now on their app. Yeah. Amazing. I want to catch up with uh, Batwoman. We just finished the series finale of Schitt's Creek. I cried my <laughs> eyes out. That show is so good. All right. All right. That was a lot. Here we go. Joey, how about you? I'm ready. All right. You got five minutes on the clock. I'm to go. All right, I'm going to use 10. Uh, just on Go the streaming it. thing that Bob just mentioned, I've been um, catching up with Star Trek Discovery. It's awesome. I finished the first season. It is so cool. I love Star Trek. Star Trek is great. I know May the 4th, we celebrate Star Wars and all that stuff. Um, and not that Star Trek and Star Wars are, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum or anything. But I really love Star Trek. I love the theme song, first of all. But I love all the science stuff. And Star Trek Discovery really hits that hard. Um, there's a lot of alternate universe stuff there. So I'm really lucky to have gotten CBS access during this quarantine stuff so that I can catch up with Star Trek Discovery. And I'm really excited to join up with Picard. 
I know that Jess has been texting me and, and messaging me <laughs> about um, Picard, and I, I do want to catch up with that too. Um, but now into comics. Last week on Comixology um, and supposed to be in comic shops, Green Lantern Legacy dropped. Green Lantern Legacy is another one of these DC, you know, all ages graphic novels in the same vein as the Oracle book that we read a few months ago and uh, the, the Batgirl book that we read a few months ago as well. Um, this is by Min Lee, award-winning author of Drown Together, Let Finish, and The Perfect Seat. Uh, he's writing his first graphic novel here, which is cool to see. And Andy Tong has illustrated many children books and comics as well, and he's doing art here too. Um, Legacies tells the story of Tai Pham, who discovers that his grandmother is a freaking Green Lantern. What? And when she passes away, he inherits her power. Um, and he is this, you know, 13 year old, uh, Vietnamese American boy who the grandmother owns this store in the heart of coast cities, um, Vietnam town, as it were, and has to come to terms with his grandmother's legacy, his role in the city and this really cool, really rich guy who wants to let's say take over and help develop uh the vietnamese town of coast city also known as gentrification um (laughs) pair that with with ty's efforts to kind of become a green lantern coached by one john stewart um and you get this really awesome coming of age story where ty learns to overcome his fears, to overcome the kind of, um, let's say, blind following that in our society we often give to the apparent pioneers and innovators, right? The guy who wants to gentrify uh, Vietnam town is this like techie, like super um, intellectual you know, innovator and pioneer of, of um, social media or whatever. And Ty kind of has to overcome that rose colored glasses and realize like, no, the legacy that I have from my grandmother who escaped the Vietnam war, who built this community in my town, that's what I need to honor. And he becomes a hero by the end of the book. And uh, he does so with the help of his friends and with the help of his family, which is so rewarding. Um, I've really enjoyed the the young adult graphic novels that have come out of DC over the last couple of months, and Green Lantern Legacy is definitely a welcome addition to that uh, crop of books. Um, and like I said, it is quote unquote a new book from last week. Uh, also, a new book from last week, uh, Doctor Afra number one dropped on May the fourth. Um, for Star Wars fans sure. out there, Dr. Afra uh, is Kieran Gillen's addition to the Star Wars universe, this kind of uh, archaeologist scientist who may or may not have the credentials that she claims to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Kieran Gillen's run on the character and her interactions with Darth Raider were wonderful to read. And here with Dr. Afra number one, Alyssa Wong, uh, a award-winning sci-fi writer and writer for overwatch um this book got an early release on may the 4th ahead of the now announced which we'll discuss in a minute may 27th print release um with art by marika cresta 
Dr. Afra number one. Afra has a new gang of miscreants and archaeologists and adventurers behind her, and they are going after some mystical rings that award uh, unlimited life and, you know, perpetual success. Uh, but of course, some one percenter on Cantobite, uh, uh. who is a total a-hole, wants the rings as well. Um, it's a fun first issue. Introduces you to the character. For those of you that didn't catch up with Kieran Gillen or Cy Spurrier's run on the character, Dr. Afro number one is great. And it's really cool that Marvel gave us this uh, digital release on May the 4th before uh, the print release on May 27th. Really great. The artwork from Marika Cresta is wonderful as well. I love the Dr. Afro character. Really complicated, really wonderful. Um, and a really great kind of Indiana Jones type. Nice. Uh, and the last new book that I'll talk about is Wrong Magnetic Poles. Uh, this was also released last week as a digital uh, release on Comixology. Uh, three short stories here all around this kind of punk band called Wrong Magnetic Poles. Uh, the first story is called I Want to Be Your Joey Ramone by Chris Calza <laughs> and Dylan Richards. Um, this is Frog's story. Frog is the drummer. She's a total punk and she measures she measures time in David Bow, uh, David Bowie's discography. So that kind of tells you how she operates. Uh, the second story is Hey, That's My Guitar by Dave Law. This is Julian's story. Julian's the guitarist. And five minutes before their big gig, his guitar gets stolen by a troll in a tracksuit. Oh. So Julian has to chase him into a mirror hell dimension filled with Lovecraftian horrors and some surreal monsters. Um, and then the final story is the new song by Philip Jin. Uh, with music annotation by Fiona, Fiona Sin. Uh, this is Kieran's story. Kieran's the front man, and he's going to make the audience cry. And man, oh man, is the art beautiful. Uh, it is painterly. It is inks. It is this kind of David Mack stuff. Um, I picked this up because I went to Comixology, and I was like, what were the new releases last Wednesday? And Green Lantern Legacy was on there, and also Wrong Magnetic Poles was on there. And I was like, all right, did you release? Let me check it out. It's about music. Let me see how it is. It is great. And I think that in the midst of all of this distribution conversation that we've been having, um, digital comics and these kind of indie publishers and people who are self-publishing through Comixology uh, first and things like that are getting their stuff out there and wrong magnetic poles is a perfect example of that this is three short stories by a multitude of creators who are telling stories that are rooted in music rooted in their passions and really run the gamut from this kind of surreal hell dimension stuff that i mentioned to really beautiful watercolors uh in the last story as well a lot of fun. Um, the first issue is out on Comixology. You can check that out now. Last two things I want to mention very quickly. Um, I'm teaching a senior seminar right now for my high school kids on comics. And to do so, I reread Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics from 1993. Mm -hmm. And uh, God damn, that book is so good. <laughs> um, the way that McLeod unpacks how comics operates because that's what I did with the kids on Monday. Um, I talked about how to read comics and the way that comics operates as a medium unto itself. It is poetry in that it is all about structure and form and convention. It is prose in that it is about 
It, it is about narrative and storytelling. It is film in that it is about visual and the visual sequencing of time. It is uh, photography and art in that it is telling that narrative through still images. Um, comics is its own medium and Scott McCloud so eloquently expresses that in understanding comics. For those of you that are listening that love comics and want to know how they work, if you haven't read Scott McCloud's work, you have to. It is an absolute must read and reading it again to teach this class has been so rewarding. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about very quickly, and I know I'm over time, is um, this book hasn't been released yet. It is Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio. Oh. It is a documentary comic by Nerf Backdurf of Trashed and My Friend Dahmer fame. Um, originally slated for release last month, just in time for the 50th anniversary of Kent State. The book has now been pushed to September amid the coronavirus crisis. Uh, but Durf has been posting some preview pages and insights into both his process as well as the long and troubling history that he researched meticulously to tell the story of those four students who were gunned down at Kent State uh, 50 years ago. Um, so for those of you that want to learn more, check his Twitter because it is incredibly informative and the pages are beautiful. And I cannot wait for this book to be released. And that is my extended lightning round. I I have to say, I do remember Kent State happening. And it was one of those moments where you could, the world changed. Yeah. So I can't wait to see that book. We, we will get to see the full thing. Let's, let's hope. Let's hope it, yeah. everything comes about. What, what publisher is going to be doing that? Uh, I want to say Archaea. Okay. Um, oh, great. Of course. You know, a lovely um, presentation then, absolutely. 100%. But all of, all of his tweets have been about, first of all, he's been sharing some of his pages, which have been so beautiful to look at. But he's been talking about the, the way that he approached the book was, first of all, meticulous research, but also kind of um, filling out the story and biography of those four students who have kind of gone, I mean, for lack of a better term, unnamed. And kind of had, yes. have anonymously taken on this martyr role in protest history and anti and anti war history, um, and his work here is trying to fill in those gaps and fill in their stories in a lot of ways. Um, and it only came across it only came across my timeline. You know, I, I saw it on Twitter because people in my timeline were tweeting about Kent State over the weekend because it has it was the 50th anniversary and um Durf's work came across that timeline and I was like oh my god this book like I 100% would have read this book yeah. this week you know um and and um it's been pushed back because of everything that's been going on but at least we have a date uh and that's September 2020 it, it will be out from Archaea and I'm really really looking forward to it I'm with you on this one that sounds awesome. I'm going to have to keep my eyes out for that. Oh, 100%. Uh, and you said this Dr. Afra is new, came out on uh, May the 4th? Yeah. So I was, again, like I said, I was looking for new books over the last couple of days. And yeah. uh, when I was on Comixology, I saw Dr. Afra number one. And I was like, oh, is that the Cyspiria run? Is that the Kieran Gillen one? Are they just re-releasing? And I saw that Alyssa Wong, you know, tweeted out, like, we are so fortunate that... Marvel has given Dr. Afro number one a digital release on May the 4th to celebrate Star Wars ahead of 
the now announced print releases that they'll be doing at the end of the month. So I was like, oh, hell yes, I will be reading Dr. Afra because I read all of Kieran Gillen's run and I love the character so much. Um, and this this issue, you know, picks up with all of that same kind of uh, ne'er-do-well Indiana Jones spirit. She's just an archaeologist trying to get her payday, but also, you know, who knows, maybe uncover the next best thing out there in the universe. We might need that next best thing in the universe <laughs> pretty yeah. soon. Oh boy. What was the article that I was writing? I don't know. It doesn't matter. All those sound amazing. I remember when Mara was on the show and she would talk about Dr. Afra pretty often. And I mm-hmm. had taken advantage of a Dr. Afra sale, but I don't know that I ever dove into it. I think I read the princess Leia book. And then mm-hmm. after that, I was kind of tapped and I didn't move on to the Dr. Afro. I should see if I still have the, well, obviously I still have them if I bought them. Yeah. Uh, I might have to go digging. There's something else that I'm I'm now dying to read, uh, but we'll talk about that. Afra is a lot of fun and it's probably, you know, I don't want to make like kind of like grandiose statements, but Dr. Afra is probably Marvel's best addition to the Star Wars universe. Um, and I only hope that Dr. Afra gets featured in some of their live action stuff at some point because um, A, kind of what she represents in terms of her cultural background, her sexual background and all of that is so important and so wonderful as you would come to expect from a writer like Kieran Gillen. Um, but also the kind of archaeology stuff and like the space archaeology stuff is so fun and such a like welcome addition to the Star Wars universe. Um, and mm-hmm. between Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier and now Alyssa Wong, um, Afra has kind of grown as a character. And, you know, I'm just waiting for the day that we get uh, some Afra stuff. That and Jason Aaron's uh, stormtroopers who can actually hit things have been the great <laughs> addition, the greatest additions that Marvel has added to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I would like for Marvel to get a, a handle on their their representation a little bit more. Disney very much so before they tackle anything like that, just because I would I would hate for them to announce something like that and then have it not be the thing that it needs to be. Totally, you know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. But Afro would fit in like so, so easily with like what they've been doing with Mandalorian. On oh, Disney yeah. Plus. I just like, like you see how sketchy they get when two men dance together in Beauty and the Beast and and everybody gets into an uproar. And then you talk about inviting, you know, a uh, character that needs representation into Star Wars universe. And I just don't know that I trust Disney and Marvel <laughs> to do that justice. Oh yeah. At this course. point in time, they're getting there, but they're so overwhelmingly concerned about their their audience, the, the audience backlash that they're they're very reluctant to mm-hmm. make that leap. And I, I've seen it with a couple of projects where they almost get there and then they flake. And yeah. and and I, I I I love Disney so much. I don't like that. I don't like that aspect about them. Oh, and the last thing I'll say before we move on is I got Green Lantern Legacy on sale on Comixology, and that was awesome. Um, I knew that I wanted to read it because, you know, reading about the creators and everything, I was like, oh, cool. They're doing this, like, Asian-American kind of legacy character 
about the Green Lantern. It's in that all ages graphic novel stuff that I've been really enjoying so much. And then I went to Comixology and I think it was like maybe $7 or something like that. And I was like, that's great. Uh, you get a full graphic novel for that much. So it was on sale this past week. I don't know if it's still on sale, but um, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it and I really enjoyed kind of what Min Lee was doing with the whole Green Lantern idea, right? Overcoming fear, um, coming to finding strength in your ancestors, finding strength in the history of your people um, that I thought this was a really strong addition to what DC has been doing with those all ages graphic novels. And uh, if it's still on sale on Comixology, I would 100% recommend it. Nice. Speaking of things on sale, it may have disappeared because I think it was a glitch. There were, I don't know, 50 or 60 Dark Horse collections on Amazon yesterday you could buy on Kindle for nothing. They were free. What? Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of Dark Horse things. So I think they just, someone hit the wrong button. But people were flocking to Amazon yesterday to, to buy up some Dark Horse. So, folks, check it out. You didn't hear me, I didn't hear me say it, but there's you might be able to get a bargain. Oh, they'll be hearing about bargains uh, in just a minute. Oh, the lightning round. Segway. Segway. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give myself five minutes, even though I'm definitely going to run over because I haven't been here in two weeks. There you go. All right, here we go. I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for myself anyway, and then I'll probably just cancel it out when it gets to be time. I have been taking a lot of recommendations from Mr. Joey the past few weeks. He seems to be talking about books, and then I want to go and read them. Imagine that. His uh, podcast works on its own hosts as well. So I went ahead and I read The Magnificent Miss Marvel Yes. Numbers 1 through 13, written by Saladin Ahmed, pencils by Minkyu Young, inks by Juan Vlesco, uh, colors by Ian Hearing, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. Okay, so listen, I am, this is 13 issues, so I'm going to talk spoilers for a couple of plot points here. So if you don't want to know what's going on in Magnificent Ms. Marvel, maybe tune out for a minute and come back. There you go. Okay. So I read Magnificent Ms. Marvel when it was first coming out, and I think I got three issues deep and had decided that I was going to jump off for a while. There were a lot of books coming out at the time, and I was doing that thing where G. Willow had just ended her run, and I wasn't fully ready to embrace somebody else writing the character. It also didn't help that the first couple of issues weren't from Kamala's perspective. We've talked about that uh, a lot on the show about how that can throw a person. And it certainly did throw me as Joey had pointed out, eventually they do round back to Kamala's perspective. And I have to say, even going back and reading those three issues, they landed for me much better this time around than they did that first time. I think I was more braced and ready for the experience, Joey having talked about it, Bob having talked about it when he continued to read it for a little while. And I was just in a better headspace to accept the story and see where the character was going to go. 
So reading it a second time, I actually really enjoyed certain aspects of those first couple of issues. I kind of liked the horror-tinged aspect of Kamala's parents turning into puddles on the ground and her thinking that they were dead and not knowing what was going on. I love Bruno's arc of kind of turning into this uh, technologically gifted detective in that he's got all these like little attachments now between the brace on his leg and the one on his arm. And he's got this like little uh, like wrist plate thing, wrist panel that he's now doing. Like uh, it's like the equivalent of Penny's book from Inspector Gadget. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. Yeah. What really? I didn't watch Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I was a grown up. Dun, 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 dun. I remember Steve. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I like Bruno. I gotta tell you though, I don't know how much I want Kamala and Bruno to be together. Really? Come on. Oh, no. Oh, come on. That's like ship number one. He's a great guy and they're cute together, but I just don't know. I don't know. And and I gotta tell you, Kamala's got a wandering eye. She's she's checking out (laughs) Alien Man's abs. She's got, uh, who's the other character with the scarf that was uh, fighting with her on the train? Red Red Dagger? Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's checking him out. Bruno's got some stiff competition, man. I don't know. He's a really sweet guy. He obviously cares about her very much. And I do love Bruno. I just don't know that I love them together. Anyway, so at the end of the first arc, the first arc deals with Kamala basically getting whisked away to this alien world where she is, they're claiming that she's the one. She's basically this predestined figure that is going to rescue them from oblivion. It's been, you know, preordained the whole bit. Uh, The thing about this story, though, is that Kamala, her parents tag along with her on this mission, on this excursion, and learn a lot about Kamala and her being Ms. Marvel. I haven't even gotten off my first book and I have 50 seconds left. I'm just turning <laughs> this off. So my, one of the things that I found about when the second arc started is that in that first arc, you had uh, Abu and Umi learning about who Kamala is, how important she is, how good she is at what she does. And then when the story picks up and and Kamala's father uh breaks the news to her that he's sick and has an incurable disease they don't remember going on this mission with her and so just as they've accepted her lifestyle as Ms. Marvel both of them it was just the mother before this mm-hmm. uh that gets taken away and it's and it's never really fully addressed either like Kamala makes some kind of passing comment that like, I guess when so-and-so sent us back to earth that he wiped their memories thinking that it would be doing me a favor. And I was a little let down by that aspect. I was very, what's that? Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was very much into them being in on it now. And I'll get to more of, of the parental perspective for heroes in a little bit when I talk about my next book, but, uh, yeah, I just I was kind of sitting there wondering why go through all that trouble and, and have all of these incredible moments, particularly with the father of of him having to come to terms with, you know, his daughter's chosen profession and, and what she does and where she's been and why she's always late to things and, you know, getting 
an explanation and maybe even some closure to his frustrations with his daughter from the past two years, three years or whatever. And then it's just kind of done and they don't remember. Neither of them remember. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a huge step back. So that being said, I have to admit, um, and I'm actually, I'm not even admit it. I'm happy to say it that once Ms. Marvel comes back, and and is is regularly coming out again i will be subscribing to that series again that this time around i really did uh come around to to liking the book a lot more and and i'm i'm very pleased with especially some of the later stuff that Mm -hmm. saladin ahmed is doing with the character i think it took a couple of issues and maybe that first arc isn't necessarily what i wanted or expected but there are little beats peppered throughout that first arc that are very much worth reading. You just might have to sift through some history about a race that you may or may not care about. I not at one point, (laughs) if there's anything about that story, I'll say is that at no point in time did I care about the alien race and, and whether or not they survived. I know that sounds terrible. You're right. But I, they were, they were, kind of dicks like yes, they, they were. were looking to to put one over on kamala they had a whole plan that she happened to have overheard and then got the real deal from uh alien ab man and and then you know the whole thing anyway a little bit of a rough start but second arc really really picks up i love the tony stark stuff him trying to help kamala find a cure for her father and how that whole thing goes and some things that are revealed about him very, very, very cool. Uh, very happy to, to have read it and that uh, the two of you had, had pushed me to go back and check it out again. Uh, it's all Joey. I I checked out after about issue seven. Maybe I got to issue eight. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it worked for me this time. And I really, really enjoyed the art. Uh, Minkyu Young does some really uh, nice pencils yeah. and Ian Herring still on colors really really lends to the authenticity of that character in that world and uh i really you know the friends are still around they're still you know they're still hanging out they're still getting involved maybe not as much as i'd like but they're still there they had an issue or two and yeah i just kamala's life is all drama and and it's (laughs) it's very apropos for for who that hero is and i'm glad that those things are still a part of that story you know, it still feels like we're watching her grow into who she is. Uh, and also, I'll point out that the the growing of her powers and how mm-hmm. she's able to use... I mean, she's pretty much turned into uh, Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. by the time that you get to the end of these 13 issues. She is just stretching and, and growing and shrinking and doing all kinds of things. She's like Wasp and Mr. Fantastic and a scroll all melded into one. Uh, did they ever really define how she uses her powers? Doesn't she like borrow from space and time? Yeah, yes. That's, that was Wilson's kind of last addition to the character. Uh, uh, to, to your point though, I think it's a lot easier to read Ahmed stuff collected, like back to back to back. I, I could see like Bob was saying, like month to month dropping off um, because the rhythm is different and the kind of, storytelling modes are a little different and especially that first character like i also could not have given two 
bits about the alien race out in space. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're the chosen one, blah, blah, blah. But reading it collected and focusing in on those like character beats um, with the parents and, and yeah. with everybody, that's what carried me through that. And once we come back to Earth and and she's interacting with Zoe and everybody. Exactly, Nakia, yeah. Like, it's like, that's, that's why I love Kamala's story. And um, it gets there. It gets there eventually. And you really have to like, you have to get through that first arc to get back yeah. to the Miss Marvel that you want to read. Yeah, the the parental stuff was very much what was carrying me through that first arc, and you know when it was taken away, I I it was I was a little gutted. I yeah. I really I really felt like that was a an interesting choice. Obviously, Saladin has his reasons, and you know he's got plans and he's mapped things out. I just when things like that happen. I can't help but wonder why. Right. Why would you go through that trouble of writing these beautiful pages with the these incredible moments with the parents of them understanding and accepting and doing all of this progressive stuff with, with their characters and then they walk into a room and Kamal's like, oh, remember when we were on this planet and this and that? And they're like, what are you talking about? Are you are you reading your comic book stories again? Are you writing your comic book stories again? Get your head out of the clouds, Kamala. I just ah, oh, really? That's are you gonna do it like that? All right, I guess. I thought we had yeah. we're getting some real growth out of that. In, yeah, in the way that finally Lois knows Clark is Superman. It's like okay, right. now we've got a whole new set of stories to tell instead of drifting backwards into the ones we already had. Yeah, yeah, you can't take that away. It's like when they almost killed Aunt May, but then they didn't. Yes, exactly. That? Yeah. In Civil War. Yep. Yeah. That would have been profound. And that storyline that Straczynski was writing way back when was like, oh my God, this is shocking. Let's move on, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, you know what we should do? We should break up Mary Jane and Peter Parker in this convoluted devil storyline. Yes. And then they did that and nobody cared and Spider-Man's been blah ever since. Yeah, I mean, I'm not about to tell anybody how to write their own story. I just thought that that was a very bold uh, choice to make. And who knows? Maybe, 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 the, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back. Who knows? All right, I should probably move on to my other book. Yes, your second book. <laughs> my second book is Ironheart, Riri Williams. So this is the infamous Iron Man 1 through 11 collected. This was on sale for $5.00 on Comixology. They're having a Riri Williams sale right now with all of her stuff. So this is everything leading up to the e-viewing series that uh, began not too long ago. I bought that too. I have not uh, dug into that yet. But uh, so this is everything with the exception of if she's done anything with the champions. Uh, I don't think that I've read uh, far enough into the champions to see her become a part of the team. But uh, I'll be getting back around to that because I really love this character. All right. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Stefano uh, Caselli with Kate Niemzik, uh, Takisama, and Kichi uh, Mizushima. Colors by Marta Garcia and Israeli Silva. Uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So I'm really glad that I read Ms. Marvel and Ironheart back to back because the similarities in not necessarily in origin but in getting that satisfaction of watching a character from the ground floor and seeing them grow and come into their own and become the hero that they want to be 
just like Ms. Marvel, how satisfying it's been to watch Kamala realize her powers, realize her influence over New Jersey and her contributions to, you know, superheroing and stuff like that. Ironheart, Riri Williams, infamous Iron Man, whatever you want to call it. I absolutely love this character. She has a super, super tragic backstory. The book literally begins with Riri being at a church picnic and a drive-by shooting happening. She loses her best friend and her mother's second husband, both in, in the same instance. And it just paints a fog over the beginning of this book. And it, it starts very dark and and very like, how are we going to dig ourselves out of this start emotionally? And so what Riri does is she pours herself into her work and her desire to become a superhero and who she wants to be is she wants to be the next Iron Man. She is so intelligent that she builds her own Iron Man suit just from what she knows about Tony and his work and parts that she's scavenged and stuff like that. And she makes her own suit kind of like he did in the cave. Really, really amazing stuff. And it is just, I love the way that the, that Brian Michael Bendis presents her intelligence. I couldn't help but think of Lunella Lafayette and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur with regard to Riri and it being different in that there were times when I was reading Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur where I became very frustrated with the way that Lunella's intelligence was presented in that it made her very bratty. You know, she always had a chip on her shoulder. She always thought that she was above people. And I understand that she was a child and maybe that comes with the territory, but it just, it, it grated on me. And then as that story progressed, she kind of eased off of that stuff. And then it seemed to have come back in the final arc of that series, particularly in the last two issues, especially the last one. And again, feeling like progress was being undone. And the end of that series, sadly, left a very sour taste in my mouth. But here, Riri's intelligence is explained. It's like understated in that you're just you're told that she's intelligent and you see it in her actions. You see it in the way that she thinks before she acts, that sort of stuff. She's there's this moment when she's sitting in her garage and she's got like 15 television screens around her, all set to different news channels from around the world. And as she's tooling with her suit, she's listening to all of the broadcasts and she's absorbing all of the information and can remember all of it. So she she learns like environmentally is is how she learns, which I thought was really, really cool. And it's just, it's one of these things where her intelligence is just understood throughout the series. And you see how smart she is through her actions. You don't have to be told again and again and again where she is on the intelligence scale when compared to Lunella or somebody like Mr. Fantastic or Dr. Doom or whatever. She also has a really amazing relationship with her mother. Her mother knows that Riri wants to be a hero. She wants to be the next Iron Man or a Iron Man. And she fully supports her in realizing her dream of becoming a hero. And it is so good and so refreshing to read something like that. She encourages her. She comes into the garage and asks her questions about what she's building. She doesn't give her shit when she comes back from a mission. She, ha she asks about the details, how it went. 
she's interacting with all of these, you know, crazy superheroes showing up at her door and asking her questions about her daughter. And she takes it all in stride. And she's a really, really incredible character. They've both been through a lot and they lean on each other throughout the series, at least for these first 11 issues. And it was really, really heartwarming to see. And I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Uh, there's also one more thing I'll mention about this book is so Tony is in this book, Tony Stark, but he is a he's like Friday in that he is a program. But there are moments throughout the series when you get the idea that Tony is a sentient program. And in, in one of these moments, uh, MJ, uh, Mary Jane actually is speaking with Friday uh, she walks in on Friday and Tony speaking to one another just casually about Riri and, and her progress and what she's doing. And MJ's like, how the, how are you two talking to one another? I thought you were just programs. And it sets off this really eerie tone throughout the series whenever Tony and Friday are around. And it adds this like level of horror to the book that I really did not see coming and really enjoyed a lot. So I have the e-viewing stuff ready to go. I am going to continue reading this character. I I absolutely love her. She's probably my favorite character to come along since Ms. Marvel. Uh, I don't know why I didn't read beyond that first issue when she was introduced. I guess maybe there's just other stuff going on. But another thing that I was really happy to have caught up with and uh and experienced over the last two weeks if you've been at all curious about ironheart i, I can't recommend her character enough she's wonderful yeah. okay wow imagine if i tried to fit all this in in five minutes <laughs> good god i'm the worst so panel syndicate how many of you have heard of panel syndicate heard of don't know anything about enlighten right, us enlighten Please. us welcome to panel syndicate <laughs> panel syndicate syndicate Host to DRM free digital comics directly from creators to readers around the world for whatever the hell they want to pay. Right mm. now, Panel Syndicate uh, are proud to present seven different series, and then they list them. And basically, this is a comic service with comics from Check Out This Murderer's Row, Brian Cavon, Marcos Martin, David Lopez. Ken Nomura of I Kill Giants fame, Ed Brubaker, Jay Faber. Do I need to go on? Like, no, that's pretty, that's pretty, pretty special. So, yeah. so they've got The Walking Dead, The Alien, uh, I think it's an original graphic novel, uh, The Private Eye that came out and was, was eventually turned into a hardcover uh, that came from this, Barrier as well. And uh, so I decided to check out two different releases from this and i'll tell you what the pay what you want model works at least it works for me because given the opportunity to pay what i want knowing that the money is going directly to the creators i paid ten dollars for one thing and five dollars for another you could pay nothing you could literally pay a penny but knowing that the money is going directly to the creators is a huge incentive to give more than you normally would for really high quality stories. So the first book that I checked out from this is uh, Black Hand Ironhead number one from David Lopez with colors by Nayoung Kim. 
I actually wrote a whole thing for this, so strap in. Alexia Ross was just minding her own business while riding the subway one day when a group of dude bros started harassing a fellow passenger. Normally, Alexia keeps to herself, but once those guys started pulling on the passenger's headscarf, she decided that someone needed to be uh, someone needed to teach these assholes a lesson. This is how we learn that Alexia has superpowers and that she's one of the most powerful beings on the planet. The reason that Alexia was even on the subway to begin with is because she was on her way to a meeting with her father, who at long last is signing the family business over to his only daughter, Alexia. What's the gig, you ask? Alexia is poised to become the director of Alessips, an organization that has effectively defeated every villain by taking all their weapons and vehicles away. Now all the villains, uh, now their wonderful toys are on display at a heavily fortified museum that has been established under the Jessup's brand. They can pave a whole new future free of both heroes and villains. In short, the age of superheroes is no longer necessary, but what if the woman who just inherited the keys to her father's kingdom wants to bring heroes back in a big way? Bum, bum, bum. So the first issue of Black Hand Ironhead is really something special. Alexia is truly a kind-hearted hero, and you can see that immediately in the way she speaks as well as the way she fights. There's also this wild angle to the book that finds former heroes and villains fighting against one another in gladiatorial combat. As you can guess, things go wrong, and suddenly Alexia is having to make some very big decisions about the safety of the city. I will tell you, there is a lot to unpack within this first issue, but I'm interested in all of it. Alexia meets someone by the end of the book that turns her entire world upside down, and I'm excited to see where that relationship can lead. This was an awesome book, and you can pay whatever you want for it. I believe there are five total in uh, the limited series, but uh, this was number one, and I plan on purchasing two through five because the artwork is outstanding and the story so far is very entertaining. Uh, It's dense. There's a lot going on. I I didn't even get into some of the other characters that you meet in the story because there's that much happening in this book, but it's all good. It's all, you know, interesting, positive stuff. Last but not least is Umame. Umami is from Ken Nomura, as I said, of I Kill Giants fame. Who said cooking was only for nourishing? Uma is a cheerful and determined girl from a remote village who always has an amazing dish ready to solve any problem if she wasn't such a disaster. Ami is the future king's chef, stickler and extremely proud, whose aim in the kitchen is to achieve the best taste following traditional techniques and recipes. Excuse me, despite their many disagreements, together they are an explosive team and no obstacle stands in their way. But how could anybody imagine that the destiny of the entire kingdom would depend on their culinary skills? Welcome to the great little adventures of Uma and Ami. Okay. If you're at all a fan of Hayao Miyazaki, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, Totoro, all that stuff, listen to me now. You have got to read Umame. It is so Miyazakian that it's ridiculous. This is an ongoing series. This uh, The thing, the book that I bought was the first eight issues collected. 
And this goes on. It is written by, it is drawn by, it is presented by Ken Nomura, who if you've seen his work in I Kill Giants, you know how incredible it is. This is him creating a Miyazakian, I hate fairyland, Middle West kind of world. And these characters are so charming. They're they're this bubbly, ornery, odd couple in this fantastical world. And Uma is this person who she just wants to cook for fun. So she'll experiment in the kitchen by taking whatever she could get her hands on and throwing it all into the pot just to see what happens. And then Ami is this character who just wants to go by the letter and every measure needs to be perfect and they clash in the best ways possible. It is so much fun. It is cheerful. And I, I just absolutely love it. I, I only read the first issue, but honestly, like that was enough to hook me. And I am definitely going to read the remaining seven. And then I'm going to find out if there are any more, because for all I know, I bought a volume and not the entire thing. I don't know. So yeah, it's, uh, ah, that's umami panel syndicate. PanelSyndicate.com. Sounds like fun. I'm on Uma's side on that, by the way, because of my mom. She always <laughs> said that baking is chemistry, but cooking is jazz. You got to have some fun. Yeah, totally. Oh, I absolutely agree. I When I lived in my apartment before I moved to Canada, I would experiment in the kitchen all the time, particularly when it came to making my tacos. I would love to grab just about anything and throw it into the mix just to see if it changed the flavor. And I've found that chocolate actually works really well. I have a recipe for uh, chocolate chicken tacos. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. With, with, especially yeah. with, with chili peppers, chocolate, yeah. very, oh, yeah. very well together. Very yeah, well. Chili, chili flakes, it. a little bit of chocolate syrup thrown yeah. in. Yeah. I've put, chocolate I put some... Chocolate will do it. Yeah, Paprika will do it. And um, peanut butter is mine i'll, I'll pop mm, that into yep. some random things don't be afraid that. to throw a little bit of honey on top mm. of your meat when you're cooking it and yeah it just it adds a little bit of flavor and it just it changes it changes the dish and uh <laughs> you know it's it's really really good mm. um so it seems like you and i steve have read about the same amount of the Riri Williams stuff. And I totally agree with you. What an awesome new character. Right. And uh, so cool. And reading it off the heels of Miss Marvel or Champions, which is what I was doing, um, is great because she is just such a welcome addition to the Marvel Universe. And everything that's been going on with Tony Stark uh, between what Gillen did um, and what Bendis did as well, it's great to have Riri Williams kind of stepping into the saddle as it were. And now, of course, in our MCU rumors, right? It's like Ironheart series coming our way and Robert Downey Jr. will play the the AI Tony Stark. Oh, is that blah, the, blah, 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 that's blah. the new rumor? Yep. That's yep. the latest rumor, yeah. So it's like, it, I always love when, the same thing happened when Ms. Marvel was kind of announced slash rumored as well. It's like, I always love when these like new characters who have had such an impact get that spotlight um you know lunella getting the animated series and things like that like it is so great to see these new characters who have such kind of weight to them um 
coming into their own. When I was reading Invincible Iron Man Volume 3 and I was like, oh my gosh, this is Riri Williams' quote-unquote origin story, I was f- like flabbergasted. I did not know that that was any part of her 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 background and her, her continuity. And uh, it just totally builds that character out in such wonderful ways. Yeah. Yeah. It really... It really hit me. Like I remember reading that first issue when it first came out and being impressed with it. And I don't remember what derailed me from continuing with the character, especially since I think that I was reading Iron Man before that. But uh, I don't know, maybe the second issue didn't come out for a while and I missed the boat. Anyway, just a wonderful, wonderful character. And I, I, I'm... I'm really appreciating how, you know, for the longest time doing this podcast, and I've talked about this before on the show, having to feel like I'm catching up to everybody. You know, we talk to a lot of people that are into comics and just about everybody I know has a better understanding of comic book history than I do. Like, not only do I have a terrible memory, even for stuff that I just read, but I have not put in the time to read some of those classic stories. I still only like, I've never read house of M. I've never seen (gasps) the no more mutants. I know what Genosha is, but have never been girl. (laughs) I know. I know. And, and I just, so when moments come along like Ms. Marvel and Riri Williams, where I get to be there, or Miles Morales for that for that uh, matter. His was actually the first time that I was there for the you know the inception of that character, and I still I still say that that Venom Wars arc that when he when he loses his mom in that original storyline, mm-hmm. incredible with Sarah Pacelli on art, Mwah. so good. So anyway, these new characters, man, it's time. You know, they, they had the Spider-Verse movie, best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. <laughs> and I would really love to see, you know, Spider-Gwen build her out, introduce Riri Williams, get Ms. Marvel onto the Disney Plus screen. And, and you know, like, get the get these representative characters out there. Help normalize this stuff. Help silence the ass, the assholes that are inevitably going to pounce on this stuff. There's so much more of us than than there are of them. Now they just happen to be a little bit louder, but uh, I, think, I think that in time we could do it. Mm-hmm. Box you office know, the, numbers spoke differently. The continuing success of these diverse characters in other formats, in other places, bookstores and digital, bespeak that there's a greater public who's, who yearns for this material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I've just had enough of the negativity. <laughs> like I, I see it continuing through this pandemic. And I'm like, can't you, can't you jerks just take a vacation, take a hike. <laughs> Seriously. I saw something today that really pissed me off. Creator friend of mine that I, I've been hanging out with through uh, animal crossing. We did a couple of exchanges of items and stuff and just watching some of the shit that she puts up with on a daily basis, man, Stephanie was attacked so however many months ago and it's not even like it was just a couple months ago it happens all the time and and it's disgusting and i hate it and i hate all of them sorry (laughs) getting off topic getting angry 
That's what happens. Let's move on. Let's talk about some news and get out of here. Sure. We've been discussing distribution of books and DC getting themselves new distribution, though they are still going to go through Diamond, but they're doing what they're doing. We have now found that Marvel has made their way to announcing that their books will begin in stores for Comic Book Wednesday, May 27th. Now, for stores that haven't yet fully opened, we are still looking a couple of weeks out. There are stores that are going to be able to do the mail order, the curbside. It's looking better. But still to that point, Marvel has announced a sort of split schedule where one week will be new books. Next week will be collections and, and such as that. Though all the new books will be digital as well if you want to go that route. So Wednesday, May 27th. Amazing Spider-Man 43, Avengers 33, Marauders 10, Dr. Aphra number one, which Joey has already gotten because they were nice enough to do that, and Venom 25. Moving ahead then to June 3rd, though, it's Astonishing X-Men, The Weed and Cassidy Omnibus, Ghost Rider Trade, Mephisto Trade, She-Hulk by Byrne Omnibus, Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble, Darth Vader Poster Book, Amazing Mary Jane Volume 1, and X-Men Volume 1 Trade Paperback. Then we go back to the 10th, Black Cat 11, Daredevil 20, Deadpool 5, Excalibur 10, Miles Morales 17, New Mutants 10, then then back again to uh, reprints and little things like that. But sitting in that mix on the 24th is, there are some new books, 2020 Rescue Number 2, Captain Captain America Marvel Snapshots, Empire Zero, Immortal Hulk 34, Iron Man 2020, number four, Spider-Ham, number five, Star Wars Bounty Hunters 3, Thor 5, and Amazing Fantasy, Omnibus, FF Epic Collection, The Name is Doom, Ultron Agenda, Iron Man, Black Widow Graphic Novel, Morbius, Omnibus, and Yondu. So they're trying to not inundate stores with the usual 26 books they have coming out, to their credit. And some of the smaller publishers will also begin running into this mess. Now, going down that list, however, there are some things, well, missing. And that is, again, I believe Marvel trying to not destroy stores that haven't made any money for two, two and a half months. So in these books, sort of not coming out, the X-Men titles, for the most part, Captain America, Fantastic Four, Wolverine, the new Spider-Woman relaunch, uh, the Gwen Stacy miniseries, Conan and Star Wars, they're missing in action for the time being. In some cases, it's to allow creators to, to catch up, but I think the bigger issue is to allow stores to catch up. If you're going to get people now buying minis and specials and all this other thing, you may drive some people away. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really smart, intuitive move looking at how consumers consume the product. How about everybody else? Where are we? Not, I, I'm going to miss FF. I, I got to tell you, but still, and I'm sure Joey on X-Men, the same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like it goes back to what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. Like, look, I love it. I love the announcements. DC making the changes that they've made. Marvel saying May 27th, we're back in stores, whatever. Uh, I think it's, I think it's great. 
at the end of the day, though, are the shops going to be able to open safely? Yeah. And are people going to be able to go safely to the shops? Like, it doesn't, like, I love these announcements. It, it It's like, hey, look, comics isn't dead. Like, books will come out. We will return to normal. New books will come out. Here's when. That's fantastic. But... That means different things for different consumers. On the ground, for people who will buy these books, um, it means different things. Like Marvel to say, like May 27th, here are the books that are going to be in stores. Here it is. We're going to space it out over the course of a few weeks, over a course of a few months, so that shops don't get overwhelmed. That's great. I love it. You know, it's, it's a light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. But with that said, the same thing I said last week holds true. Do I feel comfortable going to my shop? Do I feel comfortable breaking quarantine or or whatever? Some shops, I think, are able to do curbside pickup, home delivery, things like that. And that's great for them. Not every shop is able to do that. And not every state and not every community is going to be open to that kind of access. So that's like, that's where my question remains. Um, the fact that publishers are kind of coming out of the coming out of the quarantine as well and, and coming out of the, the hiatus, as it were, I think is great. And it speaks to the future um, and it speaks to, look, books will come out again. Um, I, I just the thing that keeps weighing on me is on May 27th, who's in line? Like right. who's at the shop, who's there to pick up these books, you know, like if I own a shop and Marvel ships me books on May 27th and I have them, whether they're from Diamond or whoever, who's going to be there to buy them? That's, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, the fact that publishing is starting back up again, great. Gets the stories into the hands. And that's what, that's where my, that's where my focus has been, like the, the continuing narrative, the serialized storytelling, like that's what matters to me. And to me, someone who doesn't have a shop, um, I can then turn to these digital outlets. But for those that do that hard copy stuff, are they going to be able to go to a shop and pick up that book on May 27th? That's my question. And that's what I, I'll be I'll be interested to see uh, yeah. at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I, I really, I'm really kind of where Joey's at with all of this stuff where I'm, I'm very excited about the idea of books coming back. I also wonder if it's time yet to be doing such a thing. And this, I keep going back to the same school of thought where I, I wonder, okay, let me, let me go back for a second. When the when COVID nineteen really kicked into high gear, and they were talking about closing shops, like you had a finite amount of days until there was going to be, you know, county wide or city wide orders that everybody had to shutter their shops because it just wasn't safe, and shops were trying to figure out alternate ways to get comics into the hands of customers. I made a point of going to a controlled pickup inside the store. I was the only person in there. And I picked up those Wonder Woman, Omnibuy, buses, whatever, uh, and whatever else that I, that I picked up. But that was the last time that I went to go and do a curbside pickup. And one of the main reasons 
is not because I didn't want to go and purchase comics. I love buying comics. It's that I couldn't see what I was buying. I could call them and ask them if they had something and then they would check and they would put it aside and then I could arrange to go and pick it up. Sure, I could do that. But without being able to browse, without being able to like thumb through a couple of pages, see what the art's like, see, you know, get a taste for the story or whatever, it was, it's very difficult for me to just pluck a title of a book out of thin air and say, do you have this? Can you put this aside for me so that we can both risk our safety and I can come and buy it from you to help you guys out during this terrible time? That in mind, I do wonder if they've seen a significant amount of drop off of people doing stuff like curbside pickups, uh, let alone if you're if you're even able to get inside your shop to make a list for somebody. But will at the very least, even if it's not all the books, will having new books reinvigorate the curbside pickup service? N you know, knowing that there's a finite amount of books coming out, will people be at the, at this point people are, are craving new material right like they want to know what are the books coming out i heard the books new books are coming out on the stands what do we got are they going to call their comic shops and say i want you to add a couple of things to my pull list while we get through this and if you guys are actually going to start getting shipments and you're going to have you know x amount of people in the store to prep pull lists can i now swing past in the morning you let me through the door for two seconds, swipe my card, and I get out. You know, I'm I'm hoping that with new books hitting the stands, people will do that. Because I honestly, I don't know how long this can go on for. A month or two is one thing. But if it ends up being like seven months, eight months, whatever, like if, the, if all of 2020 goes to shit and, and things are not open, I'm not saying that's going to happen. But just worst case scenario, so many shops could disappear. And I just, there's so much to weigh between the safety of the people that work there, the safety of the customers, and, you know, whether or not the virus lives or dies on paper or, or dies in shipping or whatever, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I just, I don't think that, I think people are really desperate to restart society and reopen things. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think that we're ready yet. Yeah. I mean, we've, we talked a little bit about it last week too. Like the draw of the comic shop isn't new comics. Like the draw of the comic shop is community. The draw of the comic shop is recommendations. Yeah. The draw of the comic shop is communication and conversations. Um, and almost that idea of like being a part of a community, right? And uh, I like I like I said, Marvel, DC, other publishers getting in line and saying May twenty seventh, May twenty fourth, whatever, whatever the date is, we're getting new books back out there. I think is a great first step. But until shops can safely say we are open now to have people browsing and talking and and communicating and interacting, I don't know if the draw of the LCS is reinvigorated and look to be frank this may just be coming from someone who is jaded and cynical about it because i haven't had a shop in a few years and i do the browsing online 
Um, and I've gotten tons of responses, emails and, and tweets from people who love their LCS and are so desperate to have them back open. And I, I understand that and I value that. But I wonder if, you know, DC simply saying or Marvel simply saying May 27th, we're back in stores is enough, like you're saying, Steve, to, to restart everything. Yeah, let, let me jump in here. Um, I will guarantee you curbside pickup and shipment from stores fell week to week to week to week in most of these shops who then didn't have new material except for the occasional trade paperback. Or if you were a store that heavily traded in other sorts of books from other sorts of publishers as well. Every one of the my local places here in New York that I that I have a relationship with that speak to are when they're doing curbside pickup, everything is timed appointments. It is not everyone shows up and uh, muddles around the front of a shop. It is okay. You can come between one and one fifteen for a book. So the, the safety factor as we're getting there. There are two things, Joey, as you're right. There's a draw of the LCS, and then there's a draw of the books and the new material, as you point out, Steve, that, that people are desperate for new stuff. Here in mm -hmm. New York, we are dealing with, we were sort of first in, first out by the CDC. We're looking at, you need 14 days of falling numbers. And those numbers, they can, they're allowed for a spike up here and there because it's a rolling three-day average of such things. Nassau County here on Long Island has already passed 19 days. Suffolk County, if we have the next couple of days to alleviate a little spike we had the other day, we're we're ready into 15 or 16. That's only phase one. That's going to be outdoor construction, things like that. Retail stores opening, and they will still have to be open with social distancing and masks and all the rest. That's phase three. So we are still looking a couple of extra weeks past that, but that puts this region, and we were the hardest hit in the country, sort of on par for almost being there early June. So if that first week or so is, okay, I get an email from my store, and as you say, there's no browsing, but right now, those extras aren't even sort of coming out. Marvel's not even putting those things in, in the hopper right now. It's the books that people have been waiting for. And that will start to get dollars into the cash register in these places that need them desperately. And is it a gamble? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it too soon, too soon? Maybe a little. But if we do this safely and begin to resurrect an industry that could be having problems, look, uh, here on Long Island, the tax bills are starting to come due for properties at the end of May. That means landlords, that means homeowners, that means all sorts of things that now businesses haven't taken in a dollar for, for six weeks. Their ability to get the, the loans that were supposed to help small businesses that end up going to publicly traded corporations who make billions of dollars has, has gone away. It, it's a struggle. And we do have to balance safety of individuals, safety of communities, 
this particular industry, that this is not a restaurant and a bar, and yes, I'd love to go hang out in my local store and shoot the breeze for an hour and a half and pontificate the way I do here on the air. But if we can keep some of these stores and these publishers in business, and we can do this safely by making it a timed, reasonable distance between cars, even in a parking lot, that you're not going to hang out. And let's just, in the old days, when you, if you did work on your car when it had a carburetor, you have to sort of prime the carburetor by putting some gas into it. You have to take the air filter off, put a little bit of gas in, and hope you didn't have an explosion. And we're kind of there. Can we do a little bit here and help everybody out and do it safely? If we can if we can keep the chowder heads out of the equation, yes, I think we can. But we all have to be vigilant and we all have to be smart. Our stores need us. These publishers need us. We need them. And we need some of these books too. I think there's, there's a way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I'm thinking... No, optimism is good. I mean, I might have to change the way that I purchase comics once shops come back. I mean, just to be, you know, a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I think there's going to be a little bit of added pressure to, you know, to spend at the shops to make up for lost time. Mm-hmm. And uh have to weigh those purchases. I'll tell you one thing. For all that I've been missing comics... My wallet does not miss New Comic Book Day. I have managed to save so much money over the past few weeks because I haven't bought comics. My my comic budget maybe needs to be reevaluated once things start to pick up again. I, either that or I'm just going to go overboard and buy everything. Yeah. Well, that's another question too, right? Like once things come back, let's say... Do you go back to spending twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars a week on yeah. comics, or does this time off kind of train you in the opposite direction a little bit as well? Um, we talked, you know, periodically before COVID about how Marvel's four dollar price point was prohibitive in some instances. Now that you've been away from that four dollar price price point for a couple of months. Is it really something that you want to return to? You know, like that's that's another question that we haven't really thought about as well as we've talked about, you know, when are books going to come back? <laughs> um, what's the price of books going to be when they come back as well? Yeah, wow. I haven't even thought of that. $10 from Marauders number 10. <laughs> well, I mean, and and Bob, I know that you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago about like, does do these publishers move towards quarterly pieces? where $10 is more justified for 50 pages as opposed to $5 for 30 pages. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, does the publishing model change in that regard as well? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see what happens at the end of this month, because it seems like that's kind of the marker that, that these publishers have set for themselves in terms of restarting to some degree. And I'll be interested to see how sales are. I'll be interested to see what, your kind of like consumer base is and you know once kind of monthly cycles return what that looks like right are, are the habits from before still going to carry across will people still buy books in the way they did or would they rather now trade weight on these smaller things getting a better handle on do i really need all this maybe not 
So if DC and Marvel particularly, and Image is also mentioned, that they were going to cut back the amount of titles. There are way too many things in the marketplace. Does Marvel need to print 120 different books a month? Probably not. There's a lot of overlap. And so cramming those into quarterlies might be the idea. Leaving them as collections, 100-page $15 trades that come out when there's when they're all done as opposed to monthly and then or delayed in between a lot of questions to be answered hopefully they get answered in the positive indeed i agree is that it that's it, yeah, that's, it. that's it that's the show <laughs> does anybody have any closing statements um, I just want to say I've been teaching comics for the last couple of weeks to my juniors. And uh, this past week they did um, some work on graphic memoirs. So Ooh. some of them read books like Waves <gasps> or uh, They Call This Enemy or, you know, um, The Best We Could Do. The Heartstoppers. Yeah, the right. Heart you, you gave them yeah, Kleenex. The stuff, you gave them you know? Kleenex, I just throw right? a Jeff Lemire book on the pile. Yeah, just to... yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Lemire hasn't really done a graphic memoir, which is interesting, although I, uh... I suppose all of his work is autobiographical in a sense. Um, you should read Frog Catchers. <laughs> the really dark stuff um but they the kids have been just absolutely knocking it out of the park i've been doing these like one-on-one conferences and hearing them talk about um you know visual language and gutters and panels and all this stuff has just been really enriching and rewarding um and in my research for the unit i came across these quotes from writers like art spiegelman and allison bechdel who you know we, we talk mm-hmm. about as these great giants of the of the the medium as it were and you know to hear art spiegelman say something like comics is the last bastion of literacy um kind of the the place where no comics aren't easier and comics aren't like the 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 kind of easy way out for reading actually comics is a more complex way of reading and it's a new way of organizing thought as alison bechdel would say it just really reaffirms my love for the medium and to see the kids really engage with it has been a lot of fun. Um, we talk all about these superheroes and stuff on the show and all this wonderful stuff, but uh, I think it comes from a place of really enjoying how comics works as a, as a way of storytelling that, that keeps me coming back week to week. Do any of your students listen to this podcast? I, I think a couple do cause they know I'm on it, but for the most part, I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> If you do, if you're one of Joey's students, you should tell him. Yes. I would love to be in your class, man. I wish I had teachers like you. Man, it's a party every day. Sounds like so much fun. I would love to be either a fly on the wall or have like, I don't know, just like a live feed of your of your Ooh. classroom experience one day. <gasps> a special edition of the Talking yeah. Comics podcast live from Joey's classroom. <laughs> yeah. After the pandemic, once once kids okay. actually go back to school. Well, I did this senior seminar, like I was saying during my lightning round, and like the first day, because you know the seniors originally had all these exams they were supposed to take at the end of their schooling, but of course because of coronavirus, all of their exams were canceled. So like the school was like, what the hell do we do with all these seniors? So they asked the staff to like plan seminars, and I was like, bruh 
put me in, coach. I'll do a comic seminar for the kids. And the first day, I talked for like 45 minutes straight, just being like, so here's why comics are awesome. Like, look at the gutter. What's happening in the gutter? Like, oh my goodness, closure. Like, you as the reader have to finish the story. And it's not like a movie where everything is shown to you. It's like you fill in those gaps. And I was just like so excited to talk and time just passed me by. And I was like, sorry guys, I talked for so long. Um, so this week we're going to like do some reading and like do a little book club stuff. But like that first day, I just got like so excited talking about how comics work. And um, I, you know, part of it is the podcast, you know, we get to talk about those things and I get really excited about it. Um, and to have the opportunity to share that with, with the students is just wonderful. Right on, man. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Love that passion. Mm-hmm. Bob, do you have anything you would like to share before we go? No, I talked enough today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very rambly this episode. I guess I had a lot to say. All right. Uh, as I've teased, we've uh we may maybe we'll have some guests coming onto the show periodically throughout the next couple of weeks we have some ideas keep things fresh and fun uh there will be uh later this week a new episode of ladies of the hollow which is actually on their site right now uh it's another covid catch-up with the ladies if you want to go and listen to that they're still uh have another episode scheduled for this month on the docket but if you want an extra episode of that podcast, you should go to ladiesofvalhalla.com. It's a lot of fun, and... this new catch-up episode. I'll tell you, I've listened. Yep. And it'll be on uh, our feed in the coming days. So kind of letting them have it on their site for a little bit um, before we debut it. Or maybe we just can't get our shit together. You decide. <laughs> so, but that's it. Good stuff coming. Uh, we're still here. We're, uh, we still care about all of you, and thank you for listening to this show week in and week out. Uh, everybody, you all bring a lot to our lives, and we really appreciate it. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter, at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to uh, to listen to Talking Valiant and D&D Adventure. D&D Adventure is on hiatus, correct? Yes, we are, because we can't assemble anywhere and actually right. play. So it's yeah. tough. There was a monthly reset, I think, last week, so yes. that's still going. Yes, there was. There certainly was. Uh, ladies of Valhalla too. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com Joey? I am at Bobby Shortle. Oh, come on. It's like the third week in a row. Give the well, people you your know, thing. At Bobby Shortle. I've co-opted it. At Joey Pacino, y'all. <laughs> Jessica's at Jarska for all the things. Sarah is at Geek Country Lady. And Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B. I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and Instagram. So for Bob, a quick get well soon to one of the ladies, ladies of Valhalla's little piggies <laughs> for Joey. Adios. Uh, and I'm Steve. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands, wear your mask, stay inside, have patience and uh, a whole lot of love. 
Thanks for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. secret ingredient that most people can't stand because they just think of what it is as opposed to what it is when you cook it anchovies oh boo no no no, no put yeah, it I, 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 I look no no no, no. wait 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 I, I granted I, I eat anchovies out of the can and you put them on pizza and it's great if you put anchovies into olive oil with garlic and reduce them down what you get is that you get a nutty smoky kind of thing that's sort of paprika-ish but it's, it's got some salt to it and you make so just that use the paprika and salt Bob. No, 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 no 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 you 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 reduce down some anchovies into your uh, pasta sauce your tomato sauce you you make it taste as if it's been sim- simmering for six or eight hours trust mm. me trust me on this one